Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is sponsored in loving memory of Barry Sit. Alava Shalom Lilui Nishmat Ovadia Ben Esther. Sponsored by his son Jack Sit. Azaku Baruch. Okay. Rabotai, the Pasuk tells us something which is interesting. It tells us right in the beginning when the Jewish people are being counted, Seu et Rosh Koladat Ben Israel. Count the heads of each Jew in the nation of the Jewish people. To their families, to the, the houses of their fathers. That's how uh, we delineate the, different, the differences between each and every person. And then as it tells them to count them, it says, each person, a man, according to his, according to his flag. Now I want to talk about this idea, this counting of each individual. You know, today, when we talk about counting individuals, we are obsessed with the idea that individuals count. And you know what? As well we should. We should be uh, absolutely uh, ensuring that individuals, no matter who they are, no matter how they are, that they are considered to be important. The problem is that in our generation today, it's been blown out of all proportion. And the only way to have importance placed on individuals is if we've made the individual the king of all of society. Today you have people all the time that they're saying, uh, you know, these are my rights, this is how I should be treated. And I want to share with you something which is very controversial, but really should not be. I was reading recently, you know, there's a big controversy in America over the laws of abortion. Now for us as religious Jews, we hold that there's no abortion that's allowed at any stage, almost for any reason, unless there's a, a risk to human life. That's not something that, uh, you, that you can take into your hands. But in secular society, that's not the way it is. So you have people on both sides of this issue, on people who are pro-life and people who are pro-choice, and they're fighting all the time about this. Now, one of the things that I thought was very interesting was they were arguing a little while ago on the, uh, on the news, there were two people who were debating this concept, and they were talking about Aborting a baby, even not before 30 or 40 days, not in the first trimester. This woman says, I don't care if it's in the last trimester. I don't care if it's a not in the ninth month. I should be allowed to choose to abort. Why? Because no man should tell me what to do with my body. And I thought to myself, Mehila, we're not talking about your body. We're talking about the body that you're trying to chop up inside of you. The only way to do an abortion at that age, when they're already advanced as a fetus, is they literally cut the baby up inside the womb and they take out the pieces. That's not a question of your body. That's a question of another life, another human life. Yes, you're right, it's not the man's uh, you know, life, but it's also not exclusively yours. And that's something which is very, very important to be able to understand that this, this is true with many, many different things. Individuals like to stand up for what they want and what they need. But often in our interdependent world, individuals, the choices that they make, the things that are relevant to them, are not only relevant to them, they're relevant to other people around them as well. And Rabutai, I want to share this with you. Imagine a family where you have a husband and a wife and a bunch of kids. They now get, uh, because they are on the dole, they're unemployed, they get a check from the government. How does the government decide how much money to give that father and mother? 
They look at how many dependents they have, and that's how they decide how much, how much the monthly check should be. Rabotai, whose money is that? It's the family's money. It doesn't belong to the father. It doesn't belong to the mother. Let's say the father and the mother decide, I want to spend that money on a, a vacation to Vegas. For me and you. For the, and the kids are not going to get any of the food. That's stealing. You're stealing money from the dependents. It was given to those dependents. Rabotai, when God gives us character strength, when God gives us blessing in our world, He doesn't only give it to us. He gives it to us for our dependents. And the word dependent, when you're talking about a check from the government, might mean your children. But the word dependent, when we talk about with regards to a person in this world, is whoever it is that is supposed to rely on them for what they need. Whether it's with regards to their business, whether it's with regards uh, to their talents, whether it's with regards to their emotional capacity. Says the Pasuk, Se'u et rosh. I want you to lift up the head. When you raise the importance of somebody, you don't raise the importance of someone by isolating them and treating them as only as an individual. They are kol adat b'nei Israel. Each individual is a part and a part of the parcel that is the nation of the Jewish people. Lemishpechotam for their family. Lebet avutam to their father's house. Rabotai, we need to stop seeing ourselves as individuals only but rather as interdependent, interdependent parts of a whole. And this is an incredibly important thing to recognize, that the greatness of a person is not when they take care of themselves, but rather the greatness of a person emerges actually when they take care of other people. Rabotai, Rabotai there's an amazing insight that I learned when it came to Parashat Noah in this in the Sefer from the, in the name of... Uh, in the name of, uh, excuse me, the, the, uh, from, the, from Rabbi Yehud, Yochanan David Salamon. He learns an amazing chidush. In Parashat Noach, it says, in the, in the uh, Midrash, it says that Noach was punished. And why was Noach punished? Listen to this. All day long, the guy, Hazi, he slaved. He took care of the animals. The Gemara says that they fed the animals that ate in the day, during the day. They fed the animals that ate at night, during the night. Non-stop, 24 hours a day, they were on, they were on, uh, on call, taking care uh, of these animals. And in the end, it says, when, uh, when Noah came to the end of the 40 days, he took the orev, he took the raven, and he took, wanted to send the raven out uh, to fly around. The raven didn't want to go, but Noah coerced, he forced it to go. The raven was thinking, says the Midrash, what are you doing to me? Why are you sending me out? Who knows if I'll ever come back? How could you take this risk with me? Don't you know I'm the last raven alive? If I get lost, if I get hurt, if it's still a flood, khalas, the whole species of raven is gone. Rabotai, do you understand? This is what the raven was saying, was communicating to Noach, and Noach sent it out anyway. Says uh, the, the, what's it called? The, uh, um, the, the Midrash, Vayishlach Orev. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu got angry at Noach for this. And he paid for Noach midah keneged midah. Al aherim ata lishlot. On others you want to reign or rule supreme? Amar Hashem Noach. He said, you put yourself as a master over somebody else. I'm going to cause you to not even be a master over yourself. Immediately Noach emerges from the Teva. What's the first thing he does? He plants these wine vineyards. 
He loses himself in his drunkenness to the point where he can't control himself. He's naked on the floor, and what happens to him happens. According to one opinion in the Midrash, the son that came to him in, the, in that night, he didn't just uncover his father's nakedness. He didn't want to split the world with any more children. So he castrated his father, Noah. Look at what happened to Noah. He lost his manhood. When a person is, is imposing their will on someone else, they're trying to show that they're a man. HaKadosh Baruch Hu punished Noah and said, you want to show you're a man? You could send out this little person because you're the, you're the boss, you're in charge. I'm going to take your manhood away from you. Isn't that unbelievable? Look at the terrible punishment. Of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the strictest and he punishes the worst, the people that really should know better. But Rabotai, you have this all the time. I give someone a little bit of power and what happens? They turn into a monster. I was in the airport a little while ago. We, went, we flew into Chicago. We were connecting. It was the worst experience I ever had in my life flying through Chicago. You arrive in the thing, you have to connect another airline, you have an hour, the terminal is dinyas away, there's no connection, there's no tunnel, you can't run, you can't take a train, you have to go outside and take a bus there. But Rabotai is the best part, I get to the bus, there's no time to waste, I'm running with my family and my kids, there's lines all the way down from the end of the airport. I said, is, I have him here traveling with a bunch of kids with a baby, it's, we're not going to be able to get there, the woman says, what do, you, what, is, what, do I look, what do I look like? Get on the line. What do I look like? Do I look like someone I, who could help you? I was like, actually, yeah, you, you do. You look like someone who could help me. But no, no, go, go, go over there. And we're walking back all the way to the other end of the airport. We finally get to the door. I think you I'm there. The line goes outside the door into a tent. Heck, like this, lines back and forth. Outside is a guy wearing a yellow vest. He was granted the unbelievable ketonet pasim that shows how special he is wearing this yellow reflective vest. Hazaku Baruch, when he puts it on, he becomes another person. He's a king of the, of the roost, if you will. Hazi, one guy, he saw there was a lane at the end. He didn't realize it was for express. So he's going to miss his flight. He tells his family, why don't we go over here after waiting already 25, 30 minutes in the first line. He says, come, let's go over here. He tells us there's another way to go to the bus. He gets out. The guy says, are you trying to cut my line? Are you disrespecting my line? Get to the back of the line. The guy's like, I'm going to miss my flight. He goes, ask me if I care. Look at how much power the guy has. Haziz, minimum wage job, this guy. He doesn't get power at home. He has no power at home. He has no power in his life. The yellow vest, what does it make him feel? But Rabotai, all of us wear a yellow vest at some time. Whether we wear it at work, whether we wear it as a parent, because the kid comes home, I get it. Oh, if you don't do this, you know what I'm going to do to you? You know why? Because I can. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, well, you're trying to rule over somebody else? I'm going to take that feeling away from you. And I wonder to myself, maybe sometimes the reason why a person is not treated like a man at work is because he's not acting the way he should in his house. If he's making everyone feel his presence, ordering everyone around, making everyone feel that way, what happens at work? Hashem says, oh, you thought you were the man at home. You thought you were the man with the poor guy that came to the synagogue. You told him, go here, stand there, do this, say that. You think you're, you think you're, you don't, you, you think you're the man? I'm going to make you feel like you're a zift. So you go to work, and then this is how the boss is going to treat you. The buyer is going to treat you. Walmart is going to treat you. You're going to feel like you're not a man, like a little boy. And you know what the funny thing is? I always thought, think about this. Why do people do that at home, like Sammy pointed out? 
Why are you, why you have to be this big man at home? Because you're not a big man at work. But you know what? If you only realized that the reason why you're not a big man at work is because you keep trying to be a big man everywhere else. You keep trying to put everybody down, show them, exercise your power. If you wouldn't, maybe God would allow you that gift of being able to feel that way in another place and you wouldn't need to be that way uh, when it came to it. Rabbi Otay, I want to end with one last uh, illustration of this point. The Pasuk, there was a, a, a rabbi who went to an army base in Israel and he was there supposed to give a class to all of the people. As he gets into this uh, the big hangar with uh, you know, thousands of, of soldiers, he walks in and there's just hubbub. Everyone's moving, they're talking, they're walking. You know, they're all supposed to be sitting. So he goes over to one of the generals that's invited him to speak there. And he says, I don't understand what's going on. There's, there's seats, no one's sitting down. They're all walking around. The general says, you don't understand. This is not one unit. This is not even one company of the army. You have here mixed, a graduating class. You have people here who are Khel Avir, pilots. You have people here who are in the Navy. You have Golani, you have Duvdevan, you have Egoz, you have Sayyid Matkal. You have the guy who drives the truck, you have the Tankistim, the guys who are in the tanks. You have all these different people. He says, and the Khel Avir, they feel like they're the best in the whole uh, Israel. They're the most elite. They don't want to sit next to this uh, guy who's, uh, you know, here. The Sayyid Matkal feels like he's God's gift to mankind, where he's going to sit next to the guy who drives a tank. The tank thinks, well, I'm going to sit next to the guy who's in logistics. Logistics guy thinks I'm going to sit next to the guy who's in the kitchen, right? Every, no one wants to sit anywhere because no one can sit with anybody. He says, that's why they... So the guy walks up to the top. He says, uh, soldiers, I need quiet for two minutes. I want to share with you something important. They still didn't sit. They're all standing, but they're quiet. He says, the pasuk says, Atem nitzavim, you are standing today. Roshechem, Shiftechem, the heads of the people. Zekenechem, Shotrechem, the elders, the police. Michotev etzecha ad shoev memecha. From the woodcutters, from the woodchoppers, to the water drawers. Ask the rabbi to, the, to all these uh, soldiers. He says, I don't understand. You want to tell me that all of the Jews are here. Chotev etzecha, the guy who chops wood, is a minimum wage guy. The guy who shoev memecha, who dry, you know, draws the water. Also, minimum wage guy. Don't tell me from this minimum wage, this minimum. Tell me from the lawyers to the, from the doctors to the thing, from the real estate kingpins to the water drawers. Why are you giving both of those same things? It's the same thing. You're not giving me the variety that is the Jewish people. And he said something which is mind blowing. Listen to what he said. He said the Torah does not see things the way we see things in this world. In this world, when you say this guy, you know how much he's worth? He's worth a million, he's worth a billion, he's worth a trillion dollars out of that. What do you mean? You don't mean that the guy's worth a billion dollars. You mean that he has in the bank a billion dollars. He might be worth nothing. But the value that we ascribe to people, when we say he's worth, what do we mean? The Torah doesn't look at the value or the worth of a person based on how many dollars he has in his bank account. The worth of a person in the Torah's eyes is what is he contributing to the Jewish people? What are they bringing to the table? And on that level, Chotev Me'etzecha and Sho'ev Me'mecha are at polar opposites. Chotev Etzecha is a guy who makes his parnasah by destroying things. He chops down trees and sells them. He's destroying the world. 
Shoev Memecha is a guy who draws water, Mayim Hayim, and he gives people to drink and they're, they're brought back to life because their thirst is quenched. They think in the world's eyes, these two people are two people sitting very close together on the spectrum of jobs. Two minimum wage guys, two unimportant guys. In the Torah's eyes, one, you know what he contributes to society? Destruction. He ruins things and makes money. And what does the other guy bring to society? All he brings to society is life. He hurts nobody. Rabotai, in between those two poles exists every single person that has ever lived. Who are you? What are you worth? Se'u etrosh, raise up the head of every person and ask them, how are you with regards? What are you with regards to your family? Rabotai, we have to ask ourselves not what we can get, but what we can give in this world. And when God brings you into a family, there's a reason, there's a thing that you're supposed to bring to the table in this interdependent whole. And there's something that your wife is supposed to bring to the table. Now, I don't just mean with regards to a parnasa or finances. I mean that it might be that your wife is someone that's anxious. And it might be that you're someone that's calm. Your job in this family is to allow for a sense of security to reign supreme. What that means is, I don't care how nervous you are, you don't get angry or nervous or anxious. You know why? Because your wife, she is the anxious one in the relationship, in this case. So your job is to keep a cool head. You don't have a right not to do your job. What happens? It might be the opposite. It might be that the husband's an anxious guy, and then the reverse is true. If your wife, let's say as an example, she's the one that brings to your marriage or to your home love, romance. If she doesn't bring it, it's not there. It might be that that's the case. So that might be what she's bringing. Every person needs to ask themselves, if I want to feel important, what is it that I bring to the people around me? Raise their heads. Ask them, how do they count? To their families, to the brother, to the sister. Sometimes your brother or your sister, they might need something from you. They might need a little bit of advice. They might need a little bit of encouragement. They might need a loan. They might need you to make a connection or pick up the phone for them. That's how you know whether someone, whether their head, whether their rosh uh, is elevated. Not if their head is thinking about themselves. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen